0: You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams.
1: It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday with Wayne McCurry, who's a portfolio manager at FMB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. Wayne, I mean, you've been through a a few crashes, and I sent a tweet out today that said, you know, the crashes or the market sell-offs that I've been used to during my career as both a broker and a broadcaster have usually been specific event-based events now at the moment we've got all these circumstances all coming together at the same time and it it feels almost as though this is uh, more brutal than a than a big sell-off because of of the, the aforementioned specific event now it's just a daily daily grind and i have to take my hat off to you because you said you thought there was more coming and you were standing on the sidelines but you must be getting a bit twitchy now about buying
0: yes i think so I think we are in the final phases of this correction of this bear market. I, I truly do. I mean, I did. And I mean, everything's guesswork. And, you know, I don't know any more than anyone else. And it's purely guesswork. But when all of this started, I suppose, in February, the markets coming off in February, I did a quick calculation as to what I would think was fair value for the markets. And this is the global markets in particular. And we're more or less there. We may be 5%, 8% from that sort of level where I said the markets should correct to. So I, I think this last day, today, the market's not that bad. It's certainly a lot better than what it was earlier in today, half a percent down. And the overseas markets are slightly positive. Yes. About half a percent positive. But uh, I think that this very severe selling you've seen over the last couple of days is the sort of final throw of this bear market I, I i really think so so you know you never know when the bottom is going to be and no one ever rings a bell when you hit the bottom but i think that we are almost there to be honest uh
1: yeah, I, I agree maybe another
0: you. five maybe another ten percent i think that's about it
1: I agree with you to a certain extent. And, uh, you know, when there's volatility, the the extreme lows or extreme highs of a market, it usually means that people don't know what to do and therefore the trend is going to be broken. Um, and I tell you what, Wayne, in the last two, three days, trading sessions, if you look at the S&P 500 futures, which I have to because of my job, there's about four yeah. different phases to the day. You know, in the old days, it would be nice and easy. You'd wake up, the market be w- yeah, w- would be weak. Yeah, they were
0: negative. They were very They were heavily negative early on, and now they're opening their positive. The actual market's positive.
1: Yesterday, there were four phases, uh, down, up, up, down, all over the place. And I I tend to think that this volatility means that perhaps, as you quite rightly say, or you forcefully said, we're coming to the end of this, um, this, this bear phase. Whether we'll spike up or not, I don't know. I hope not. I hope it'll build a base and actually be more... Uh, constrained and more responsible in its uh, activity, but I do believe that um, that that the Wayne McCurry uh, buy button is about to be pressed.
0: I hope so. Anyway. I would think so. Yes, I think we're very close. Good. I think we're very close to actually doing a doing a buy. To be honest, mm. Um, mm. because I mean, we we're going to get declines in inflation next year. I mean, people are going to be surprised on the downside. Uh, I, I really do believe that that we're going to have a huge fall in inflation, and it actually wouldn't surprise me if we actually get um, inflation surprising on the bottom end. Because, roughly speaking, I mean, when I when I looked at the calculations as to what I think the market should do and should fall by, you know, in, in my view, and I'm talking specifically about the American markets now, Yes. in my view, the level of the markets before lockdown were reasonably valued. Now, that's, that's two full years ago. Eh? <clears throat> you know, we didn't have anything untoward happening. Then we had the big sell-off on COVID, and then this extended bull run until the beginning of this year. And then we saw the weakness with a couple of bear market rallies and one very strong bear market rally. But now the market's down now to, roughly speaking, where it was pre-COVID. And I don't think that's a bad valuation level. And yeah, maybe, as I said, maybe there's 5 or 10% still to go. I mean, who actually knows? But, you know, when you look, I prefer to look at an earnings yield. Rather than a uh, PE, a price earnings ratio. Hmm. Now the earnings yield, the earnings yield before COVID was about call it five, and the earnings yield now is five and five point four. You know, um, during let let let's call it the happy years, for want of a better word, the low inflation, low interest rate years, the earnings yield was about four. So, you know, the earnings yield has already corrected 30%. And even if you now, now if you compare the earnings yield against the long bond rate, uh, it makes a, a lot more sense, you know, that the two are in sync again, if you like to put it that that way. And, you know, I think with a long bond at 4% and an earnings yield at 5%, it doesn't look like a bad valuation to me. But, but, you know, the market may overshoot on the downside, so we may get more uh, corrections coming through. But, uh, you know, as I've said, I'm I'm really hanging my hat on the fact that uh, inflation is going to fall rapidly. I mean, oil's 85. You know, in a not-too-distant future, your year-on-year measurement is going to be against 125 down to 85 in dollars. I mean, that's heavily negative and uh, and food doing exactly the same
1: yeah i wouldn't that 40 you know? it, it, commodity prices are falling. It, 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 we've said this before, but the oil price at one stage, Brent crude oil spiked to $139 a barrel. It is currently trading at $88 yeah. a barrel. And um, it doesn't look as though, if the world is going into a recession or a slowdown, not recession, a slowdown, then the demand for oil will fall and it will go down to 60 $70 yeah. a barrel, maybe. And that is incredibly yeah. impactful on inflation, as you keep on telling us.
0: Yeah, you know, commodity prices are what's this, 30-odd, 35% down, and I still think they're going to fall further, and food prices aren't down as much yet, they're only about 10 or 15% down, but I think that's going to also continue to fall, and then, then we'll see this inflation year-on-year year measurement, you'll have food, energy, because for, forget about the European gas story, that will resolve itself by the middle of next year, and that might also be heavily, heavily negative, so you're going to have food, and energy and commodity prices year on year minus 30 minus 40 percent you know inflation is going to fall rapidly it really is
1: yeah it really is um so if you if you believe that commodity prices uh, priced in u.s dollars are going to continue to fall and they have fallen not precipitously but uh, substantially over the last few weeks and the last three months in fact um, does that mean that you are abandoning SA resources stocks?
0: Yes, we'll stay clear of the resource shares for a little while longer. But I mean, they are angling up. You know, another I don't know, twenty percent possibly on on those shares, fifteen, twenty percent on 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 those shares. You'll also be piling into it. I mean, if you take Anglo's for example. You know that's off a high of 800 and it's 520 you know that's that's down heavily so far so those are so those have already taken you know quite a knock and the platinum shares even more so i mean if you take anglo-american platinum i'm just waiting for the data here quickly and yeah. um, you take anglo-american platinum i mean that's down from oh call it 2100 to 1,100, so that's halved already. That's a big move. Personally, I don't think it's too much more downside. That's a massive move. I don't think there's, it's now lower than what it was pre-COVID. You know, so I think these platinum shares, you know, they might already be a buy, quite frankly. Despite the fact you think commodities are gonna come down more, so you- Yeah, but the share share will be anticipating that. Okay. So I, I think, you know, maybe even the platinum shares possibly even even a buy. I'm just trying to see get Impala here quickly because I think that's been even worse than Anglo
1: While you're doing that, there was a company um, called Southern Palladium which came out with its results this morning. Share yes. price fell seventeen and a half percent on the opening. Yeah. I don't know what it's done since yeah. then. It's probably recovered. But uh, yeah they're But under it's pressure. a very
0: small cap company, yeah. Yeah. It's it a very small cap and, company. And very there. new to the exchange as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, Impala's fallen from three hundred Rand to I'd say it's also half, two hundred and sixty. So that's also halved. Hmm. Looks like some bargains coming up.
1: But on the other hand, if you look at Anglo American PLC, you say it's gone from eight hundred to five hundred. I'm rounding up and rounding down here. Yeah, it was in the fifties at one stage, so it can go. Oh, lot, yes, lot lower. you're not going
0: to get that. No, no. It's, it's. You must remember, those were your very unique set of circumstances that pushed it to that fifty, and it was a combination of two things. First of all, they had invested heavily in capital expenditure from about 2007 2006 all the way through to 2013 so they had pumped in billions and billions and they very specifically they bought that copper mine in south america or the copper prospect in south america right at the top but they were also expanding in every aspect of their business so they spent money hand over fist and then the global financial crisis hit and from an economic impact that's way worse than the current high inflation and high interest rates. The economic impact of the global financial crisis was far more, was far more severe than what this downturn is going to be. So they were hit with those two factors, collapsing demand and massive surge in supply. So as a consequence thereof, you've got commodity prices. I mean, iron ore went to $30. You know collapsing around your ears and that's why it went to 50 so it's not going to come anywhere near 50 uh, this time around i would say at absolute most bearish possible outlook for anglers will be 300 350 rand not 50 rand and maybe kumba is even a better example because kumba for the very same reasons nakumba got to 26 rand you know i mean it got slaughtered absolutely slaughtered and then, you know, this is, the, this is the, 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 not the problem, but this is how commodity shares work. You know, in the last financial statements, in the last uh, um, uh, reporting period that they did, you know, they paid out a 60 Rand dividend and the share price in 2015 was 25 Rand. You know, that's what commodity companies do. They are heavily cyclical. But the downturn now in commodity prices and commodity share prices is not going to be anything like we saw in the aftermath of 2008 global financial crisis because commodity companies haven't spent any money. So there's no new surge in supply coming on stream. And the economic consequences of this period of higher interest rates and higher inflation is going to be a fraction of what the economic impact was. Of the global financial crisis.
1: let hope so. So it, it, it's on your shopping list, but you're not quite ready to buy yet. When I say,
0: um, yeah, but you never, you never, you never are quite ready because you always, you know, we are all human. You know, when, when things are falling in front of your face on the screen, you know, you, you, you become cautious, eh? You know, you, you, yeah, you're human. Was, um, yes, the was- valuation. The value is there. The value is clearly there.
1: Provided world markets uh, behave themselves. Um, I was looking, talking about behaving themselves, I was looking well, at the S&P oil's, 500 oil's futures, 0.9% down this morning when I woke up. Now, up yeah, three quarters of a percent, the S&P. Yeah. It's, it's extraordinary what's going on.
0: I don't know. Is it... Our, our, our markets. well, it's very typical of, to me, it's typical of some sort of change in the market. Change from... of
1: trend, yeah, exactly right.
0: Yeah, but, but I mean, it, it also happened in July. Eh? The market turned up and we had that bear market rally. And, you know, I almost capitulated. I almost said, geez, this bear market's over. Look how the market's going up. And then all of a sudden, I remember that from an old speech. I remember so saying I to you, man, how are you going to
1: feel and how are you going to behave, Wayne? And I remember on a podcast on a Wednesday and saying, you, 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 might be, you might be actually losing out here. And you said, well, if I've lost the first 5%, 6 7% on the upside, then it doesn't matter because this is a long-term position. But to, to, your, you know, to your credit, you stuck to your guns and now you're going to reap the benefits, hopefully.
0: Yeah, but I mean, it, it's still, you know, you are still nervous, unfortunately. You, you, value is there. Because you know, in the longer scheme, even though I think there might be another five or ten percent downside, in in the fullness of time, that's nothing. Yet. And as I as we were discussing earlier on, you buying this, you buying the market at a eighteen price earnings ratio or a five point four percent earnings yield, which is not bad. I mean, mm-hmm. I know earnings will come under pressure. I got that. I, I understand that. But on some sort of long term averaging, that's not. It's not a screaming bar,
1: but it's not bad value. No, That's not bad at all. Wayne, let's have a look at one company. and I want you to tell me how it fits in with the global economy and the South African economy. It came out with a voluntary trading update this morning. Its name is Barlow World. And market participants yeah. liked it very much. And the last time I That's looked, it. it was up 5 6%. What do you make of this? Is it a leader or a laggard of the economy?
0: Well, it, it follows the commodity cycle. So the outlook is quite positive because commodity companies are flush with cash. As we said earlier, they haven't spent money for seven years. They've got to spend money. They've got to renew their available resources. And Bala wills a direct beneficiary of that. So yeah, Bala World, the outlook is actually reasonably good despite a pending sort of global slowdown, stroke, recession. The longer term outlook is good because the mining companies won't stop spending now just because commodity prices are falling and uh, we're going into some sort of global slowdown. They will continue to spend because they have to, because they haven't spent for seven years. I mean, global capex in dollar terms, in, at the peak in the last cycle, the mining companies probably spent $60 billion a year for a good couple of years. You know, now they're spending $15 billion. That's, that's 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 almost... Sort of okay. maintenance capital—that's the bare minimum. Yes. You know, so we could see over the next five years a true surge in capital expenditure by mining companies. I mean, they've been depleting their resources now for seven years without replacing anything. So that's got to come. So the outlook for BHP is actually quite reasonable.
1: Yeah, certainly. The performance today um, echoes that sentiment. Now, Wayne, you've you've said that the commodity prices, at the uh, commodity equity prices reflect um, you know, the, the market's view on where commodities are going, because you think they're going to come down a little bit more. So the market thinks so as well. So yeah. the share prices have come down. What about general risk assets? And when I say risk assets, I, I'm sort of make, uh, putting equities at the top of my list there. Have they already discounted what everyone's talking about? And that is a global recession? Or is there more to come potentially?
0: No, the could as I said, I think is still another 5 or 10% to come possibly. But you must remember the the biggest thing markets are discounting is not a global recession per se, because we will most likely get a recession, but it will be, quite frankly, shallow and short-lived. I don't think we're heading for a massive all-fall-down recession. For the reason we've discussed many, many times, there's no debt bubble that's going to burst. So I don't think we're going to have a strong a severe and protracted recession at all. But the biggest thing the markets are discounting is the, the risk-free rate. In other words, the long bond rate. You know, when long bond rates are talking about America, when long bond rates are 0.6, then you can have a four earnings yield, four percent earnings yield. Easy. You can have a 25 PE easily, 28 PE easily. But when long bonds are now back with talking 10 year at 3, 3.5% the market's rating must adjust, and that's why it's gone to 5.4. So yeah. the, the, actually the biggest adjustment is not discounting the recession and the fall in earnings. The biggest adjustment is the actual rating itself in comparison to the long bond.
1: Anyway, whatever it is, it's, it's fascinating times for you. Um, but um, yeah, just have a look at your screen and say to yourself, if I would have the chance to buy these um, shares um, at these prices um, a while ago, I would have, I would have, I would have taken your arm off and um, and done it, because um, yes. they they really have done well after that bear market rally that you spoke about earlier on. They've come down quite substantially, and yeah. suddenly the S and P is at one percent. I do, I do believe there's some jostling at these lower levels. Although still, let's let's face it, the S and P is still at a two year low at the moment. Okay, Wayne. So yeah. you've you've given us the uh, the big view, you know, um, and
0: and and then when you look, I mean, even more importantly the Nasdaq because that's where all the heat was you know in the bull market. that was tech and it was Nasdaq. Hmm. I mean the Nasdaq now has fallen from sixteen thousand to eleven thousand. And you know that's where it was more or less pre COVID. That's twenty eight percent fall you know, more or less something
1: like
0: that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so all of the all of the hype has gone out of, you know, these these type of of, of shares. You know, there's a lot of these prices have fallen quite significantly. Yes. You know, if you take companies, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at Tesla, yeah, now because I think that's a classic example. You know, Tesla's down from at the at the absolute peak of four hundred dollars is down to two hundred and eighty dollars, uh, and maybe Netflix is even a better example. I think it's better. Yeah. Better example that is. Where is it? yeah, I'm just getting it now quickly. Do you invest yeah, in tech yourself? From the via my pension funds and that. I don't buy it directly. Okay. So Netflix is down from oh, what's this now? Let's call it 700 mm-hmm. to 230. Yeah? yeah, and it's and that's off, big. Yeah, that is a really big move. Uh, it had to happen. And this of course. is the proper company. Yeah? Mm-hmm. yeah, it was the share price was way too inflated, but this is a proper company. Yeah? You know, Tesla still expecting future profits from car sales. This this company makes profits.
1: It does, and it's if you if you went back to the nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties, the golden era of Hollywood, nineteen forties, even uh, this is the equivalent of an. MGM, for example. It's a a Hollywood studio. It's a glamorous Hollywood Mm. studio that makes films. It doesn't just stream them, buys them and streams them and charges you. It makes its its own films and keeps on making more. The content that this company
0: churns out is extraordinary. It's massive. Mm. Yeah, And I must admit, I spend most of my time watching their content because it's actually very good. Well, some of it's rubbish. Certainly the ones I've watched are are, are good. Some of it's rubbish, but it's the same as any TV thing. What was the last uh, one that you watched that was good? uh things called dogs of berlin it was excellent dogs what dogs of berlin
1: dogs of berlin what's that about
0: it was like it was like a detective thing oh yeah it was very good but just talking about the 1920s and the mgms and that yeah you know the u.s government came down heavily on those companies because they owned the distribution and well they owned they owned the cinemas and they made films and they said to their cinemas you could only show my films and the U.S. government actually forced them to sell off the cinema chains and allow the cinema chains to take films from any studio. And, you know, Netflix, I'm not saying it's now, but at some stage into the future or not, let's, just, let's not say Netflix because you, you never know whether it will be Netflix or not. But if they continue to make more content and distribute it on their channel and let's just say their channel is the biggest distribution network there is, and they could easily be legislated against to say you've got to actually have a certain proportion of your broadcasting, not Netflix, or you've got to allow other people onto your platform, or there might even be legislation where they say you're just a platform. Your film production thing must become a separate company, and you know, must compete with other distribution channels and that content must go in other distribution channels because exactly the same thing happened with uh, power in America. You know, they split the distribution from the production of power. So, I mean, that could happen at some stage as well. So, you know, it's, it's fine producing content now, but if that's deemed to be uncompetitive because you own the distribution platform and somehow you're crowding out other other studios from your distribution thing, you know, the the anti-competitive legisla- legislation doesn't like that. Eh? But, I mean, that's way into the future.
1: Yes, it is. We need not worry about it at the moment. Wayne, let's talk about food now. You've given me lots to think about on the markets. So I want you to talk about food now. I just want to tell you my brief story. It's not particularly interesting. But last Friday I went to Amsterdam on the train and I go and see a friend there. Or to get my. Uh, 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 she's like this hippie, sort of spiritual healer person, and she helps me with my back, which is great. But she's because she's a hippie, she likes traveling to Thailand, and she only ever eats Thai food. She'll never go to a supermarket. Yep. She'll always go to a market and buy, you know, Thai green basil and um, uh, bean sprouts and that sort of thing and, and cook. But I said this time, listen, I'm going I'm to buy you a takeaway from my favorite um, a Thai takeaway in Amsterdam, which happens to be in the Red Light District. Now, the Red Light District is known for one thing to most people, but in, in fact, it's a culinary center, It's got lots of, lots of um, um, uh, foreign restaurants, Argentinian steakhouses, Chinese, Thai, Japanese, et cetera, because it was the cheapest area. So uh, people, immigrants migrated to this area. And I had a, um, there's a place called Birds there. And I just ordered a simple takeaway: Tom Yum Gung uh, soup, uh, chicken and vegetable uh, Thai curry, all loaded with uh, mm-hmm. Thai basil, and sticky rice—not like not, not like basmati rice, which you'd have with the curry, but yeah, sticky, rice. sticky rice. Sticky well, yeah. rice. Sticky rice. It was just absolutely delicious. I don't know what your uh, thoughts are towards Thai food, but this place is just sensational and so cheap
0: as well. Do you like Thai food? Yeah, I mean, I love I love Thai food. I, I went to Thailand. Oof! I don't know. Five years ago, mm. I went to Phuket, yes. and the food was just astonishing. It is. I mean, it is, and I eat a lot of Thai food. Yeah, in fact, that was my food story. Yes, I got a a duck curry with lychees. Oh, and yeah. I got it mild, medium. I got it hot, properly hot, and it had the genuine article: sticky rice mm-hmm. with it, and it was somehow. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm a lychee fan, but some of this lychees and the duck curry, nice and hot, actually all work together so well. And it, it was delicious. I mean, we we probably eat, we don't try to cook Thai at home. I'm not sure whether you can. I have, I have tried a few times, but without much success. And I've even bought the little, you know, pre-packaged kit. You know, where it gives you all the stuff to add in and you just put in your chicken or whatever with it. But it wasn't that good. so we eat thai often actually
1: when i was in johannesburg i used to i went to a couple of thai places um and there was one place on call it drive and it had a silly name to thai for it was
0: called to thai for i I, I ate there often i got this stuff often i know it well i don't think it's there anymore Mm. but to thai for i actually got often. Yeah, I'd, nice I'd,
1: I honestly thought that it was a little bit too like a like a production line, but I went to a couple of smaller places yeah, in, in different, different suburbs, and I tell you what, if you get a good Thai restaurant, it's very very good indeed. I mean, and they get the spices yeah. right. It could be hot, but it doesn't burn you. If you see what I mean, I don't know. They just yeah, seem to use the spices courageous. and chilies in in a in a responsible way. Very, very good. Correct. Okay. So now I'm hungry again. So Thai food, unfortunately- Yeah, i almost hungry now. Yeah, exactly. Every time, every time <laughs> we speak, we get hungry. Okay, Wayne, yeah, thank now you- I'm very... now I'm hungry again Oh God, I'm drooling here. Uh, Wayne, thank you so much. Uh, Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FNB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. And that was Wayne on Wednesday. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy position